Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Well, we're in our last part, kind of. <laughs> I'm going to break this last part up into two parts so that I, I just, as I was beginning to prepare for this last part of Revolution, this series, I just realized there's no way I could do it justice uh, in talking about our weapons of our warfare really in one, in one part, in one last sermon. So I'm going to, uh, I'll finish up next week. So I want to talk about our weapons. We're talking about revolution, aren't we? We're talking about how we need a, we, we need a conflict or a, a revolution needs a conflict. We got one of those. It's, it's amazing. Every week, every time I get up here, something significant has happened either in our country or globally. Folks, you can just feel it, that, that things are shifting under our very feet. We're living in a very interesting time, and it's pregnant with so many things. Chaos, it's pregnant with who knows what's going to bust out in front of us, and the, the times they are a-changing, as they say, and uh, global economy, a global uh, morality. The, you know, it's when, when you get into this kind of situation, the, the kingdom of God is ready to burst forth, but also the kingdom of darkness is looking to take advantage of disillusionment. Take advantage of those who are in a place, and, and it's not a good place, you know. The scripture talks about how to choose this day who you're going to serve, but don't be in the middle. Don't be in the middle because you'll definitely be fodder for the enemy. But every revolution will eventually result in a violence of some sort. You know, consider Daniel's experience as he fought for his own personal sanity, living among the pagans and for the future of his beloved nation. Daniel, of course, lived during a time when revolution came, but it was not the kind he was hoping for. After generations of warning from God to say, look, you're not obeying me. You're not walking in the things that I've called you to do. For generations, finally, that point came to Israel. Uh, well, Jerusalem and, and, and Judah, the, uh, the last remaining tribes, Babylon comes in and carries him off into captivity, and Daniel is one of those young men who is a remnant. And so Daniel is, is holding on to truth. He's holding on to the covenant of his fathers. He's holding on, and so he's, he's, he's a captive to the world system. Babylon goes on to be a, uh, you know, um, a metaphor of this dark realm that all that represents in this world it's, we have, Babylon exists to this day. It's, it's our financial system. It's this globalist mentality. It's this one world government that we know in reading scripture will give birth to the Antichrist, which exists here in spirit, but will eventually manifest, uh, manifest itself in a person, one person. Uh, when that happens, we don't know. We have no idea. But going back to Daniel, much of what Daniel sees in his dream in his, because what happens is Daniel is, is, is laboring. And you can read this in Daniel 10. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read uh, this because it's just going to take too much time. But I, you can go and read it and I'll do my best to just paraphrase it and just give you an idea. So Daniel, he still has a heart to see Jerusalem come back. He has a heart to God, for God to restore the kingdom of God as he knew it, as he understood it. And yet he knew that, his, that the sin of his fathers was 
part of why all that happened. They were dragged off to Babylon because of their sin, pure and simple. And I tell you what, the, the analogies and the comparisons to where we are as a nation is, is just amazing. As a matter of fact, I think, I think I'm going to go ahead and read some of that. I just realized that there's some of that that I just absolutely have to read to you. But so Daniel's in this place where he's, he's struggling. He's, he's, he's working through his own battle of how do I make this happen? How do I become a part of advancing the kingdom? How can I see a personal revolution take place? And, he, and, and so what he does is he goes to God. He gets on his knees. And, and this is what I'm going to read some of this. It says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. And its message was true. And it concerned a great war. And he began to see a revolution. He began to see the chaos of what I've been talking about. And it's interesting because we get this glimpse into spiritual warfare. And, 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 how, and I'm setting this up really for a couple of verses I want to break down for us today because we really need to understand that this revolution is taking place more in the spirit than it is in the natural. If we could really see what was, what was taking place in the spirit, we'd be shocked. We would be shocked. And Daniel gets a glimpse here, and it's interesting, not only of what was taking place, but what, what was to come. So look at this. He says, at a time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold, from Euphaz, around his waist. His body was like topaz. His face was like lightning. His eyes like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. At very least, we know that this is an archangel. This is a very powerful spiritual being. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. In case you think he was just dreaming, check this out. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So they could hear what was going on. They just couldn't see it. They freaked out and head for the bushes. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. That was three weeks ago. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Hmm. Well, this is a spiritual being. How could an earthly king hold back a spiritual being? Except that maybe this prince of Persia he's talking about is a spiritual being. Hmm. Paul later tells us, we're going to see this, that there are spirits... That there is a hierarchy of a, in the demonic realm that is broken down into 
as I said, a hierarchy, if you will, almost in military fashion. Generals, only they're called principalities who rule over significant areas of the planet. And that's broken down into princes who have specific geographical, spiritual uh, strategy and, and structure and goals in order to bind the hearts of men, to rule over the economic systems, to come in. When you understand this and you look at history and you look at what's going on right now, I'll tell you what's going to change how you look at things. Absolutely change, and it should. When you think of people in high places, when you think of governments, when you think of leaders, when you think of presidents, when you think of kings, princes, global bodies, you begin to see that what this spirit says is there is a demonic force that is controlling Persia, and it ain't a person. Let's push on. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. If you do the math, that's three weeks. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Who is this mighty spiritual being? Some say that it's the pre-incarnate who. No, no, I'm not talking about the bad guy. I'm talking about the good guy. I'm talking about the, 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 the spiritual person that had the belt, face like bronze. I mean, uh, might have been Jesus. Or another angel, we're not sure. 100%. All I know is it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Now he goes on, and I'm not going to get into all that, because that's just, that's just too much. But Daniel sets his heart on knowing God, hearing God. He, he, he steps into the spiritual revolution by saying, I'm going to fast and pray because I want to know. I want to affect. I'm not happy with the fact that my people are in bondage. I'm not happy about the fact that me and my fathers are the ones that brought this upon ourselves. So he began to fast and pray. We know later that Daniel takes another step by doing what is called, is, is called identificational repentance. He repents on behalf of his people. He repents, even though he never did a single thing wrong. But he begins to cry out, and he becomes a part of the process of God's salvific favor and eventually them coming back to Jerusalem. But what I find is so interesting in this story is that he goes on to describe how in the last days this spirit this antichrist spirit that rises up, this, this spirit that in the last days will resist the very final push of the kingdom of God. And it, it, it's so amazing. And what kind of verifies this whole vision of Daniel for us is that John, the revelator, has very similar imagery. Almost like it's a do-over, only with a New Testament clarification. So what Daniel sees John sees again, and all leading up to what is taking place here in the end. And I got to tell you, you, you've got to take some time to read the rest of Daniel 10. It just blows my mind. Because as you read it, you begin to see. It says that in the last days, leaders would rise up. And one of the things that they would do to gain the hearts of the masses, 
this just blew my mind. I was just reading it recently, which it says that they would give away free things to the people. That they would move the hearts of the masses by giving away gifts, by giving away favor, by winning the favor of the people by giving them elaborate gifts and whatnot. And I just thought, whoa. We call that socialism. We call that, and that's all that is taking place, whether it be in our nation, as we continue to push that envelope, as we continue to buy the hearts of the people, as we continue to say, well, look, as long as this, as long as I've got what, what I need, you know, I, you know, as long as I'm happy, as long as I'm, I mean, in many ways, our silence is paid for. Oh, I'll put up with these marriage issues. I'll pay, put up with these bathroom issues. I'll put up with all this stuff. Well, as long as I'm being fed and taken care of. Mm -mm. Did you know that this was the language and the process of the Antichrist himself? Oh, that blew my mind. I'd never seen that before. You can read it. Go to Daniel 10. It's all there. So it's re-shown to John in the book of Revelation how much of this prophetic mystery has, has come to pass, what Daniel saw. Rome, Greece, you know, Greece, Rome, and what Rome became, and, and, and of course the, the rest of Western civilization. How much of that has come to pass and is yet to come is, is a debate for the theologians. However, there is much that all agree is still coming. Why? You look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you see Paul warning the church. He said, the man of darkness is still coming. Whoa. See, these are beautiful cross-sections when you study the Bible. It's important. It's called hermeneutics. When you study the Bible, when you get, uh, when you get triangulation in truth, in other words, when, 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 when something is mentioned at least three times in Scripture, what you now have is spot-on truth. It's clarified. It's said once, you're like, hmm, what did he mean? It says twice, you say, well, it's a little more clear. You say it three times. Whoa, it's in stone. Paul mentions it several times that this man of darkness, the spirit of the age called the Antichrist, don't be confused. How will we know what an Antichrist spirit is? Come on, folks. It's anti Christian, it's anti Jesus, it's anti what Jesus taught and believed. Okay? So don't be the frog in the pot. That is, the, the heat is turned up slowly so that you give away. Well, I mean, you know, to sit down with somebody who claims to be a believer and say, well, I believe there are many different ways to heaven. Uh-oh. See, that's exactly what the Antichrist spirit is going to believe. He's going to be, well, you know what? Look, there are all different ways to God. Well, just not the God that we know. There is another God with a little g who lives on this planet who is cast to this earth and who is fighting, snarling until his day of judgment comes. And he rules through Babylon, the world system. And what is that? Our economies, the nations of the earth. And now we're beginning to see it as globalism. Now we're beginning to see it rise up its ugly, ugly head again with tolerance, political correctness, to the point where, and don't be confused, but to the point where now, as a Christian, we're being asked 
publicly, officially, Christians stop believing the Bible. Christians, if you're going to fit in, you got to get over abortion. Christian, if you're going to fit in, you got to get over gay marriage. Christian, if you're going to fit in, you got to stop with all this morality. You got to stop with all this intolerance. Sounds like an antichrist spirit to me. Uh huh. Well, I hope you get that. I want you to notice the unique character of this war. It is fought in the heavens first and then in the natural. What Daniel is seeing is a spiritual warfare. Daniel sets his heart on hearing from God. God immediately from heaven says, Jesus or whoever it was he sent, go speak to Daniel. Tell him what's coming. But he's resisted by demons in high places. And he has to battle his way through. And this is amazing. How much of this is taking place over our nation right now? Oh, I bet. I mean, I'd pay good money to see that, wouldn't you? I mean, Hollywood is really struggling right now because they can't seem to come up with a decent blockbuster. And even the ones they do have, they're trying to give us all this political, whoop, I'm sorry. I mean, we were watching a movie just the other day, and Tate and I were looking at each other. Can you believe this? It's just like this underlying, trying to teach six, seven, eight-year-olds about all this political weirdness that they're putting under. Anyway, so spiritual, I paid good money to be able to see what is going on up there. And I'm telling you, folks, it is battling. It is battling. What will make the difference? Can we turn the tide? Can we be a part of that in any way, shape, or form? Oh, my friend, yes. And it's time for you to wake up and realize you can be a part of it. See, it's fought in the heavens first and then in the natural. Jesus verified the existence of spiritual warfare, warfare as he fought the enemy, and he won. Jesus was resisted. Satan came to him and said, I know who you are, and I know what you're up to. I know what has been prophesied about me, so I'm going to do my very best to deceive you. Notice he didn't just try to strike Jesus. He didn't try to kill him then. No, 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 no. He used lies. He used free stuff. Hey, Jesus, I notice you're hungry. How about if I give you some bread? How about if you, let's say, let's turn all these stones into bread. He, so he uses his hunger. He uses his need for stuff as a temptation. Oh, folks, it's all there. Scary as all get out. It's fought in the heavens, Jesus verified. But what does it all this mean to you and me? Last week, we learned that Jesus has given us a cause, and that is to spread the good news of his salvation. Amen. He said, go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My friend, that has not changed. You don't baptize them in the, name in the name of the United Nations. You don't baptize them in the name of all things good. You don't baptize them in the name of anybody's, anybody other's name. There's only one name under heaven whereby a human being must be saved, and his name is Jesus Christ. And you can read about him in, in the Holy Bible which they're going to try to take away from you as well. So we learned, he said, we got to go. We got a cause, and that is how we fight. Well, part of the reason, the way we fight. We're going to get into more of how with our weapons, because you can't fight unless you know what weapons you have, right? I mean, you set up with a cache of weapons, 
And most Christians don't even know how to use them. This is like, man, I don't know. It's just like a guy showed up on what they called, you know, the replacements during World War II. They'd send him in, and here they are, green, just coming right out of, hey, man, I don't, even know what, I don't even know how to shoot this thing. Well, they wouldn't even befriend him because it's like they knew they were going to be dead within 48 hours. Christian, learn your weapons. Know how to fight. Because if you don't, you're meat. You're meat on the table. You are not only just nothing, but you become a weapon in the enemy's hand. So, these forces of powers in the heavens, Satan and his demonic hierarchy. Let me read this whole sentence again. So, how can we be, we mere humans, succeed against such overwhelming forces of power in the heavens? It just does seem like, you know, Satan and his demonic forces. And in the natural, political powers of the natural world. How can we succeed against this? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus foresaw this, and he prepared us for war. Let's look at a couple of verses. Number one, in order for us to be able to fight this spiritual war, my friends, we have to know that the weapons that we've been given are not weapons of this world. We're fighting about guns. We're fighting about guns, and you, maybe you're involved in that, but my friend, that's not what the problem is never has been let's look at second corinthians chapter 10 3 through 5 for though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world so much in this that i'll break it down for you on the contrary they have divine power what kind of power? Divine. And what's divine? God's power. Well, we get, divi- we get some God power? Yep. And what does it do? It's divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. What's an argument? False statements. Even from those who passionately think they are true. I mean, nobody who's convinced of what they, they of, 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 of a lie is going to tell you that it's a lie. They're not going to get up there and say, you know, I'm not really sure this is true, but I'll tell you what, here it is. No, no, it's going to be passionate. They're arguments against God's way, arguments against truth, arguments against that which is morally pure and morally right. We're going to break that down more. False statements. And every pretension, and what's a pretension? It's a deceptive plan. Because there are arguments And then there are plans. That's why we have governments. And the moment that that government, through an ideology that, you know, we are the world, yeah, you are the world, all right. But there's a Savior, and every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if that that prince on this earth, if that leader of this earth is not willing to do that, they are going to be invaded They are going to be influenced. They are going to pick up arguments and pretensions. They're going to have plans. Here it is, deceptive plans that sets itself up against the what? The knowledge of God. What is that, my friends? The truth of his word. The knowledge of God. 
And what is his knowledge? What knowledge do we find? Where do we find it? In his word. There it is. The knowledge of his existence. A person who says there is no God, the Bible says they're a fool. They might be the smartest person at any of the Ivy League schools. They might be considered one of the greatest man thinkers, you know. They might sit in a wheelchair and move themselves around with their mouth and considered one of the smartest human beings on the planet. But if they don't believe in God, they're an idiot. I'm sorry to say that publicly, but that's what the Bible says. So where does the arguments, where do, where do the strongholds set themselves up? Against the knowledge of God. The existence of God and the biblical testimony of Jesus the Savior. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let's read it again without my commentary. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments. And we demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Folks, where does this spiritual battle begin? It begins in the mind. It is in the mind. That is where the all-out, game-on, full attack of the enemy is going on this earth is for the minds of men and women and children. So it makes sense that where you're going to find it. Now look, folks, this is not rocket science. But let me just tell you, that is what the enemy is going to use. He's going to use knowledge. He's going to use information. He's going to use education systems. He's going to use what sounds good, feels good, flows good, as going to be the entrance to the lies of the enemy. That's where it is. Which is why most people don't recognize it. But when you fill yourself up with the knowledge of God and who he is and what Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount, when we understand his cause, when we understand how he broke it down and said it was all about the heart, when we understand that, we can really expose the work of the enemy. Folks, this is a spiritual war, and it must be fought in the spirit. But notice the first part of this, it says, the weapons we fight with. What? We fight Christian, if you're not fighting, you're in the way. You're holding back someone who needs to get to the front line. So it's either fight or get out of the way. And so I prefer, as your friend, as your pastor, as someone who is in this fight together, that we would, ju I just assume you fight. In other words, if we find ourselves out on the battlefield and we're fighting for our families and we're fighting for our moralities and, and we're understanding, you know, we're, we're fighting for our children, we're, we're fighting for our existence, I assume you, I, I just would prefer that you just go ahead and pick up a weapon and start firing, even if you don't even have any clue what you're firing at. They call that uh, withering fire. Take these young guys in battle and they're sitting there freaking out and the sergeant just comes up to him and slaps him and says, son, pick up a weapon and start firing. 
I don't care what you fire. Just don't kill your buddy and don't kill me, but shoot in that direction. So on most days, I would tell you, if you're frustrated, you're broken, you're, you're struggling with your life, and you're sitting there in a, in a fetal position struggling with your life, I, I mean, if I could in the natural, I would. I'd come up to you and slap you. Hey, start praying. Start fighting in the spirit. What do I pray? I don't care. Pray for Billy Graham. Pray for the president to get saved. Pray for someone that you know. Pray for somebody that is walking in darkness to come into light and show the enemy that you are still very dangerous. And that's how it works. Because if you're doing nothing, then he moves on. Even, well, so our spirit, of course, when it comes to spirit fighting the spirit, may I get ahead of myself? Lord, help me. I mean, you can see why, right? I mean, this is exciting stuff. But he goes on, when we're looking at this 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, so much here, he says, but our, our spirit must be made alive, be made aware. The reason why you can't see, if the weapons of our warfare are spiritual weapons, if you're not walking in the spirit, you're not going to know that there's a spiritual battle. You're not going to understand it. You're not going to perceive it. You're not going to feel it. I have flown over much of the planet. I've been to different, many different nations. And man, when you go from one spiritual plane, principality and power, to another, you can physically feel it when you're walking in the spirit. You can fly into a different spiritual zone and you're just like, whoa, we're not in Kansas anymore. Different demons, different spirits. Worship different gods here. And you can feel it. It's an amazing thing. So very true. In order to perceive that, you have to be made. So it would make sense that those who are dead in their sins, those who do not, have not been made alive and made aware, are going to find something. And usually it's going to be the ideologies of man. It's going to be the different, it's going to be Marxism. It's going to be socialism. It's going to be all the other isms that are out there that try to replace who Jesus is. That is what it's going to look like, smell like. And you'll find that Jesus doesn't fit into those isms. He goes on to say that these, the weapons that we have have divine power. And folks, i got to be honest with you, that divine power is the only real power. Satan has power to, to deceive the hearts of men. But what does he do with that? Well, we destroy ourselves. I mean, that is a strategy. That is the enemy's strategy. The enemy's strategy, confuse, distract, and bring in lies into good people. And what do they do? They turn on one another. We've been talking about this. So when cities start to burn, who do you think is there? It's not Jesus. When you start to see conflict and struggle and prejudice rise, when you start to see anti-different uh, uh, economic groups hating one another and tearing down, when you see division and destruction, all of that is the enemy, big time. Showing up, just sitting there laughing with a bowl of popcorn, watching it go on. All he had to do was plant lies into the heart of men, and we destroy one another. 
We pick up physical weapons. But the power that we really have, the, the real power, comes from God. Now, we're gonna, we're gonna, we got to keep going here. So notice where the battle begins. It's in our minds. So what we believe and do are absolutely key. And if that is true, then we need to take advantage of that. We need to fight on the plane that is going to really impact things. So the question, is the real problem guns, knives, clubs, and the fist? Not at all. I mean, (laughs) that's a very, very lonely voice in this world right now. Where violence, we keep reading about violence. Lots of people dying. And we keep hearing the political forces say, take away the weapons, take away the weapons, yet ignoring the real fact. Because it won't, I mean, look, (laughs) uh, Cain killed um, Abel with a rock. Started in the heart. And men will use anything. My gosh, you you can build your gun out of materials that you buy at Lowe's. You don't need Smith and Wesson. You don't need any of these things. All you need is a heart that hates. All you need is a mind that is confused and without the presence of God. And then you've got demonic forces that are now in control. And it's interesting, this word. A stronghold is a place where the enemy has to set up shop in your soul. He gets there through lies that we believe and then we defend. Jesus can set us free through targeted repentance and reapplied truth. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, because, and and go to the second part of this. So number one, we got to understand that our weapons are not of this world. Number two, our weapons are defined. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, here it is again, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world. Well, wait a minute, I thought all that spiritual warfare stuff was just Daniel and in the Old Testament. (laughs) Here's Paul saying, no, 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 no. It exists today and exists right now. Not flesh and blood we're fighting. It's not people, but it's principalities, rulers, political forces, authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of who? Of God. So when the day of evil comes, which it surely does, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Well, what are arrows? I've never seen a flaming arrow. Have you ever seen one? If you have, let's talk afterward. No, 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 what is he talking about? Maybe those lies? Flaming arrows, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, 
be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, he's speaking of Paul himself, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, fearlessly as I should. This is a very, very powerful section of Scripture. We notice that the power that we put on, he says, look, if you're going to fight, then these are your weapons. So let's just break them down real quickly. He says, this is your armor. And you'll notice it's broken up into offensive armor and defensive armor. He says, look, your struggle is not against people, but it's against spiritual forces, and your armor has to be spiritual. He says, so put it on. So when that day, day of evil comes that you can stand. So he, then he says, this is how you're going to stand firm. He says, start with the belt of truth. The belt of truth holds it all together. In, in those days, this would have been like a buckle or a, a defensive piece. It had been something that you would have had in place to guard your internal organs here. And we all know that, man, back in those days, certainly not as much now, but if you got a gut shot, you're a goner. It's a slow, painful agonizing way to die so they're saying you got to have truth in place because truth can kill you slowly and agonizingly it tears away at your understanding of your place in this world the enemy can get a, a shot in on you in your inner part which is where we believe is the seat of the soul by the way so your mind your will your emotions. He says, so how do we fight against that? Truth. Fill your mind with truth. Buckle it on. Man, so to fight this world, I gotta, start, I gotta fill my mind with truth? Absolutely. Don't miss it. Don't be ignorant of what is going on in this world. If you've been gathered in, if you've been listening, you've been drinking the Kool-Aid, as they like to say, then you've got a gut shot and you're going to die in your spirit, in your soul, slowly but surely. Let's move on. He talks about the full armor, so the belt of truth with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Wow. So this guards our what? Our heart. One shot on your heart, you're what? You're dead. You knock out the heart, it's over. Matter of fact, you're dead before you hit the ground. That's the way that works. So righteousness is a critical understanding, my friend. And we could teach and go on this all day long, but what is righteousness? The favor of God. What is righteousness? Knowing that God has accepted you. What is righteousness? You are in right standing with God. That means you can fight with abandon. That means I can go into the, I can go into the fray and say, man, you can kill this body, but I belong to him. I have the righteousness of God. I have his favor. You don't. You walk in darkness. I walk in light. What caused Jesus to be able to resist the devil three times and finally whip his tail and publicly embarrass him? What? The favor of the daddy. The father's favor, which is the righteousness of God. That is our breastplate. When you walk in that understanding of God's favor over your life, Bring it on, baby, because Ed, the divine power, the one who created the universe, is on my side, not yours. I can walk with a lot of confidence there, that righteousness. 
and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Talk about the boots. Talk about our feet. I'll tell you what, man. An army without good boots slows way down. Can't function. Totally removes. So he's saying, look, you've got to have you got to have shoes on. You've got to have things. And what does it represent? It talks about readiness. With, you know, what's the first thing you do when you've got to run outside? Well, other than put clothes on. You've got to put your shoes on. And that's readiness. That's readiness. And he's saying, look, put on readiness. Be ready. Don't get yourself all, you know, I mean, you, you sleep with the, the, the gun by the tent flap. You, you're, you're there, ready to go. Matter of fact, during warfare, the guys never really take off their, their, their garments. They, they're ready to fight. Readiness, pretty key. And he talks about the gospel. Readiness to do what? To tell people about Jesus. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Faith, wow. And he says, what does faith do? It extinguishes all the f- flaming arrows of the evil, evil one. You know what I like about faith? It quenches the lies of the enemy before they even get a chance to bounce off of anything else. It can't get to my righteousness that I have in Jesus. It can't get to the helmet of salvation. It can't get to truth. Because faith says, you're not even getting anywhere close to me. When that lie comes against my faith, no, my, 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 my life is based on the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, and, and I belong to him, and, I, and, and that is unshakable. In my mind, I see a bunch of Christians running around with a bunch of arrows sticking out of them like porcupines. And it's because of a lack of faith. Trusting God with what? Maybe my provision. Maybe about who God will select for me as a mate. Maybe for so many other things in our life that we hold up that shield. When the enemy tries to shoot a fiery dart, say, what are you going to do? We're going to get food. We're going to get this. How are you going to do that? And, 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 and that's what he tries to fill the mind of Christians with. And then we bite into and we eat the, the, eat the, 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 the delicacies of the enemy. When God says, just hold up that shield of faith to put your hope in God and God alone. Quench those darts that come in, those, those arrows that try to, to destroy us. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He says, the helmet of salvation. Look, you get a headshot, you're gone, right? Salvation. How do you fight a battle in the Spirit? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you better know that you belong to God. You better know that you're saved. What you're... See, when you know, see, salvation, this is why this is so critical, why it's the headpiece. When you have full confidence that your spiritual life, your future belongs to God, my times are in his hands, it doesn't matter whether I live or die. I'm going to heaven. I, I love explaining that to my children because they're so, and children just love talk, like talk, talking about heaven. And I'll just say, hey man, and they'll always ask me. Once they get it into their minds, they'll ask when they hear about somebody passing away or somebody famous, they'll ask me, what is the first thing they ask me? Did they know Jesus, Daddy? Because they know if they did, what do they get to do? They get to meet him. We are talking about Babe Ruth the other day. Uh, Andrew, immediately, did he know Jesus, Daddy? I said, you know, I think he did. So we get to hang out with him. Helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, 
which is the word of God. And folks, we need to become very adept at using that. If you don't know the word of God, then you have no sword in your hand. You can't fight. You can't fight. And yet, when the disciples heard of Jesus leaving, they all began to panic. He said, oh, wait, 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 don't worry, don't worry about that. He said, I have spoken words of life to you. I want you to think about those words. I want you to meditate on those words because those words will be the weapon that you'll use to fight off the devil. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about next week. He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to, going to take the word of God that's in you, and you will do punishing blows to the enemy every time you speak. The worst possible thing we could ever do in spiritual warfare is do nothing. When all we have to do as Christians is just simply open our mouth and speak truth. Speak the words of Jesus Christ and in his name. Talk about that next week. See, it's God's power we put our hope in, not our own, not in weapons of this world, not in the strength of men or horses, but we put our hope in the living God. When it comes to these weapons, folks, we've got to put them on in order to access their power. And by putting them on, we can almost, I like to do that, to just kind of visualize that, to think. You could tell that as Paul was writing it that he did that many times. Defensive weapons, obviously, and offensive weapons were called to resist and to attack. What did the Bible tell us that happens when we resist the enemy? He runs. Oh, man, that's the best fighting I've ever heard of. Right? I mean, not only does, it doesn't, like, you get in a fight in the, in, the, in the brickyard, and somebody walks up to you and says, hey, I want to beat you up, and you just say, I'm not going to do it. Well, what does that do? Well, I'm going to beat you up anyway. In the spirit, it says if we resist, it runs in the other direction. Well, I like that kind of fight. Each part of the armor is critical to success. You've got to have them all. So let me ask you that question. Do you see a missing part in your armor, in your life? Do you struggle with the knowledge of salvation? Do you struggle with knowing that God loves you, is for you, that he, you walk in his favor? If you are struggling with any of the knowledge of, of knowing that you're, you're going to heaven when you die, if, if you struggle with the knowledge that he loves you and that he's for you and he wants to bless your socks off, then those things are not in place as they should be. Is truth do you struggle with a knowledge of truth? Do you know? Do you, do you, are, you, are you drawn into the argument of the age? Are you, are you believing some of the, 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 the lies of this politically correct world? Are you being drawn in? Do you watch a lot of movies and never quite able to sort through what it is that the, the little insidious lie is trying to be planted into your heart? Do you recognize it? Do you sense it? Do you see it? You recognize counterfeit truth by being well aware of what? What is real and what is true? They teach people working with money to recognize what a real dollar is so they can immediately feel a counterfeit one. The more you know truth, the more you can see it and say, mm-mm, that is a lie from the pit. Don't believe it? Won't, won't bite into it? No, sir. Yeah, I got to finish here, sorry. Goes on to say, pray in the spirit on all occasions. I'm going to talk about that next week. So today, folks, you've got to determine to move toward the sound of the guns. Examine your armor and your weapons. Are you ready for battle? If you're going to enter into a revolution, which, as I've told you, really, as a believer, you've got no real choice. 
The good news is you're on the winning side. I mean, there is no confusion about that. That's the best part of this battle there is. And remember, the battle is upon you. Either fight or be fodder. Let's stand up this morning.